Thank you, Jason. So that concludes the presentations we have for this session. Uh, again, if you have any questions or comments for the speakers, please put them in the chat. So kind of starting out, first I want to thank you, uh, Jason, Kendall, and Brian for taking the time to interact with the growers here um, on our first ever virtual uh, uh, field tour. So maybe kind of starting out, what recommendations would you guys have for some of the growers that might be new to precision equipment, whether that is on the water or fertility side? I don't, why don't we start with you, Brian? Oh, I was hoping Jason would go first. I really wanted, wanted him to take on that one. <clears throat> oh, that's, that's a tough one, Darren. For me, it's, I, I try to remind people when they're talking technology, there's no one size fits all. There, there, there's, there's not going to be a silver bullet that the tech has to fit the producer and the land equally. And so just because it works elsewhere doesn't mean it'll work with you. And so approach it. And I also go back and it doesn't matter what technology. And I want to take this away from nitrogen. For me on precision technologies, I want a producer to tell me what's their greatest concern or what's their one one goal to uh, tackle one issue at a time to and i don't know jason would say about this but i don't think somebody should jump into both irrigation and nitrogen and something else at the same time but you know kind of get one thing handled get a handle on your water management your irrigation management or your nitrogen management before moving on and and i think some people jump in a little bit too hard right away uh, and can get overwhelmed with a bunch of technology. I'll, uh, I, I, I back that up, Brian. I mean, we made a, a ton of mistakes when we first started out in like 2014, we tried to bite off the, the, the whole bullet at once of, of uh, variable rate seeding, uh, you know, a, a variable rate P and K and variable rate, rate nitrogen. Um, I guess where, where I would start, uh, is, I would start with, with, with the variable rate plant populations first. Um, that one can have a lot of influence on, on water use uh, as well as nitrogen use. Uh, and once you kind of get that part nailed and dialed in on, on each field, then you can do a lot better with the other pieces of it. But if you've got either too few or, or, or too many plants, it's hard, you know, it's hard to get the uh, uh, rest of it to come in right as well. I would echo also what Brian said, um, you know, trying to have focus goals and, and, and trying to prioritize what you really want to do with the technology is, is pretty important. Uh, if you have too many things going on at once, it can be pretty confounding. Um, also, just being patient with the technology. Uh, it, it, it takes some time to develop things, uh, especially in field research and agriculture, we all want to prove things in the field and, and make sure that it happens in a real life setting, not just a greenhouse or a model or whatever. Um, but, but that takes a lot of time to be able to do that with a lot of confidence. And so sometimes if you're an early adopter in technology, uh, you might get to help work out the kinks, so to speak. Um, so, so if you can be patient with that too. Um, and give good feedback to, to people developing that. It, it, it's a good feedback mechanism. We all learn more. Perfect. And thank you guys for that. So kind of thinking and building off of those comments. So as we work on some of the research sites, we have different methods and how we evaluate um, maybe successes of different applications or approaches. 
you know, as a grower starts to adopt some of this precision technology, as you guys mentioned, maybe starting with one, how do you, as a grower, evaluate success? And with all this opportunity out there, how do you go from one input and then to the second one and evaluate how those two, and then maybe the third? So how do you work through that process? I'll start as a, a, a producer that's gone through it. Um, the the high rate nitrogen strip has been a great way for, you know for us to test hey are we getting this right are we getting this wrong um, and if you take that over into uh, water or plant populations you know give yourself some some fixed checked areas that you're working against uh, knowing full well that you're going to make mistakes and 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 you're going to get some of it wrong and it's probably going to take you two or three years or even four years to really get the, the real results you want, but start on it. You know, if you're, if you're not ready to do variable rate fertilizer yet, we'll just put in three or four solid rate blocks and know where they're at and, and, and keep track of those. And if you're not ready to do variable rate seeding yet, just put in two or three or four long blocks, you know, big five, 10 acre blocks and, and help, help make some assessments there. And honestly, you need to probably keep doing that and, and just keep, keep checking your process uh, year, year over year. Can, can I say hallelujah, Jason? I, I mean, that's, that, that's absolutely the best answer that could be. And, and it's something that academia and extension should be telling farmers more is that we should always have these check blots out. Always, never stop it. The technology now is so much easier than 15 years ago to do some of this stuff, to put out different rates of N and it doesn't matter what. We're, we're all talking about precision technology, site-specific management, but most of our site-specific management is using non-site-specific information. And so if we can draw from learning from these check blots, if we can draw from this and adapt the technologies that were built elsewhere using site-specific, meaning that field information, and then we do that much better a job. And, and I don't think there's a consultant out there that shouldn't have check strips in everything they do to show the value. If you're, if you're a consultant, that's a value add. You can, that's a conversation you can have with your growers. Like, see, here's the differences. Uh, I'll be honest, I screwed up here. I mean, you have to have those learning points and say, you know what, this is why I didn't get right. Or this is why it, it showed this difference. And those check strips, the high reference, the, the population, the water, I think there's so much that we can do from those that, that they're just huge value. So thank you for saying that, Jason. I can add to, to what Jason mentioned too. I really like the part where he talked about uh, just being able to observe in the field and, and having boots on the ground and, and really seeing what's going on there. I think if you can integrate that, that kind of personal monitoring of what's going on with with the technology that you're using i think there's better buy-in in the long run i mean if you can see it with your own eyes and, and really uh get a get a feel and understanding personally with what's going on that's that's only going to help in the long run thank you guys so a question just came in and it is is it practical yet to do variable rate nitrogen application through center pivots We, uh, at, at our research farm in Colorado, we're in the process, hopefully, of purchasing a variable rate uh, linear sprinkler. 
to uh, have the opportunity to, to look at answering some of those questions. Um, variable rate water is definitely there. Uh, one of the main things that we're going to be focusing on is uh, making decision support systems for um, defining exactly how much water you want to go in one place or another, but uh, nutrient application and nitrogen application is definitely part of it. Um, but but it's certainly it's challenging because you have different ratios of, of mix if you want to fertigate um, it's uh, it's it's very challenging to to make that logistically work out with with the current systems um, but I'd be curious to see what what the other uh, guys have to say about that too uh, my my take right now is where we're the the technology is developing so, so we can do variable rate. The, the deal with the pivot, I love having the check strip in the field. And I'll say, Jason, you have high, I like lows too. The guys that I work with on Panhandle, I love for them to put out a zero check because they like 300 pounds of nitrogen free. They really like 300 pounds or 200 pounds of anhydrous. So that zero tells me a lot. When that shows up at V10 in the non-applied, that tells a lot. But, but having that and fertigating based upon visual differences really really handy, but the cost of those irrigation systems and the maintenance of them does provide quite a bit of challenge. And I don't, I, I don't know the ROI. I know I can tell you ROI is a variable rate, but comparing that to the actual systems, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of having something like a wide drop so you have that sprayer go through there, but I know that's another whole different thing. You know, I, 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 I would say the answer to the practicality is how how bad is the problem, right? If if you have a super variable field or, you know, we have one where the the soil type changes happen to align nicely with pie shapes. So if 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 that works, yeah, it's practical. Um, and if you've got a, a, a severe enough problem, it may mean you have to over uh, fertigate on the inside of a pie to to make sure that you get enough on the outside of the pie or, or vice versa. But I mean, it's, it's all, all relative to how severe of the problem is it. And let's just one more note. I mean, don't forget that you can, you can have precision applications at planning too. So, you know, on a, on a seasonal basis, at least you can, you can kind of get yourself part of the way there. Excellent. Great points. Why don't we take a, maybe a step back from that question. So, you guys talked a lot about some of the different approaches and how we can manage fertility and nitrogen specifically, and with it being imagery or reflectance based. So if we remove the variable rate component, what kind of recommendations and approaches would a person want to factor in with those technologies for fertigation? So, so if we remove variable rate, my take is, and this is something I've, I've been, in regards to the crop, that's why we're doing wheat, we're doing it sorghum. Uh, Darren, you know, we've done it in the TAPS program uh, in Oklahoma, is I, I really want, and, and I'm echoing Jason, I'm really wanting to delay my nitrogen until I know more, whether that's weather, soil, crop stand, whatever. And so my big push in all crops, that's, that's wheat, remove the grazing, that, that's wheat, that's sorghum, that's corn is I want to find ways to move from a pre-plant application to an in-season application and move that in-season as close as possible to the greatest point of demand. So in wheat, that's about hollow stem where the demand really cranks up. 
in, in sorghum and corn, you're getting that V6 to V10 stage where everything's really starting to blow up and expand. So moving that, so anything you can do for me to shift from the pre-plant to an end season, I know that pre-plant's typically cheaper. It's typically already an application. That's why I like it. It lets us to make, it has us to have more opportunity to make decisions. If you put 200 pounds out pre-plant on irrigated corn, how much are you really playing with in season? Darren, I'd, I'd say that, I mean, we have, have a handful of uh, customers and friends that are, are not variable rate nitrogen, but they still use, you know, like a high rate strip where they made with a coulter machine. And then they'll come over the uh, on top of that and fertigate all, all season. And you can be very low tech. If you're out walking around and looking around, you can see that high rate strip and what the, the rest of the field is at and help you determine the timing of, of when things need to be happening. And it, it, it does not have to be high, high tech to use the same principles. Very good point. I really don't have anything to add other than what Bert and Jason said. They, I think they're both more qualified on the, on the nutrient aspect than I would be. I'd like to throw something, I'll jump in real quick what Kendall said, and I think I've been reading some stuff on it, that right now we have a tendency to want an easy button, that we use imagery and just push go, or we use a sensor and just push go. I am a firm and absolute believer in boots on the ground, and it's been said by both of these guys, where, you know what, I can use that high reference strip and next to it and look at the canopy below and look at those lower leaves and tell a whole lot about what's going on, but it takes me to walk out and look at it and we can do nitrogen okay with an easy button, but if we want to do nitrogen and water well, it there's not really an easy button to do it really well. It takes effort and it takes a personal person being out there. Very good point. So kind of more of a directed question. So Kendall, um, I've been out at your location and you guys are doing some pretty cutting edge stuff in terms of how we manage water and how we think about systems and some of the technology that can interface with those systems. Some of the stuff that you guys are playing around with for some growers or even some other researchers look very futuristic. How do you see the development of those tools and the commercialization so that it can uh, nicely fit into say an, uh, a grower's operation such as Jason's? Yeah, that's a great question. And it's uh, from a practical short-term sense, a lot of the things that we're looking at really seem beyond the scope of uh, current capabilities. Uh, a lot of times we might get farmers that, that say, you know, I, I don't have a UAV or I, I'm not going to be using remote sensing data or that sort of thing. Um, you know, I, I think it's good to stay ahead of the science and, and to, to look forward to, to what might be a possibility. And what we've seen, you know, over the last 10, 20 years is the UAV technologies, remote sensing technologies, thermal imaging, all of those things have have really come along with higher resolution, uh, cheaper, um, more robust sensing platforms. And so, you know, just like the computer, as, as time goes on, uh, we get more capabilities with, with less cost. And, and so we think it's worth, you know, looking into the more we can learn, you know, maybe that can help guide decisions. Uh, my opinion right now is that it's, it's actually very easy to collect data. We, we have data overload. We are sitting on mountains of data right now. 
Uh, the challenge is really taking that data and, and turning it into a decision that we can inform uh, a producer's management decision and really pro provide that link. Um, just like we have all these uh, remote sensing platforms and they also have variable rate irrigation systems. And like we we're just talking, how do you how do you provide that linkage and inform that decision? So even though it seems far reaching, uh, we really feel like it's not that far removed. And if manufacturers uh, can get the buy-in too, and if we can make that linkage, uh, some of those things hopefully can happen behind the scenes and, and, and kind of help inform some decisions where, you know, your farmer might not need to be a, a computer programmer or something like that, but it still could be, again, one of the tools that can help you make the decisions. It's not going to farm for you, um, but, it, but it can be something that helps you in the long run. Excellent. Very good point. So we only have a couple minutes left before we have to move over to the other Zoom link. So uh, I guess I want to say thank you, gentlemen, for everything. Uh, if you guys want to take just a couple other uh, few seconds to maybe make a couple comments to some of the growers or anything you want to share with them, um, please feel free to do so. I just say feel free to reach out and ask me any questions or give me great. I just like to say thanks to Chuck for putting this together. I, it, it takes a lot of work to, to put all of this together uh, virtually and, and it's gone very well. So thanks, thanks to Chuck and everybody at UNL. You guys have done a great job. I'll uh, maybe close with, I, I'd, I'd like to say thanks to the extension groups that, that try this stuff out before we go commercial with it. You know, we use the Oklahoma State algorithms. We use, uh, you know, when Dr. Shaver was in, in North Platte, he was a tremendous resource that, to, uh, to, you know, help us get this off the ground. So thanks to the extension groups to take the time and the energy and the, and the money to, 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 to really research this stuff before we, we try and go commercial with it. Thank you guys again. Um, please go ahead, just down at the bottom, there's the link that Crystal posted to everybody. Um, so with that, click on that and we'll close out this session.